1 John chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 1. If you're able this morning, I invite you to stand with me uh, in reverence to God's Word um, as we read together. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You may be seated. John comes back to a theme that we saw a number of verses ago. He has great concern with his church and with the people to whom he is writing about the fact that there are in their midst in that day many people who are teaching false things about Jesus. He is concerned about this because they are not that far from the time of Jesus. In fact, John is a witness to Jesus. He is one of the apostles who walked with Jesus. And yet, he has witnessed even in the places where he has had influence, even in the church where he has had influence and to whom he is writing... Great despair because of false teachers. We pick up on the idea that they are teaching in his day, and it's not one that is so different from what is taught in our own day. So in Jesus' day, there were those who were teaching that Jesus wasn't really a person. They were coming from a philosophical viewpoint of the world that said that everything that was flesh, everything that was physical was evil, and things that were spiritual were good. And so therefore what they did is they rejected the idea that Jesus came in the flesh, which he picks up on in these verses And that Jesus only appeared to be in the flesh, but was actually just spirit. Because for them, again, anything physical was bad. Well, there's a problem with that. It's incorrect. The Bible is very clear that Jesus came in the form of a man. That He was born. He was a real person. 
He did not simply appear to be a person, but he was fully man. He was fully man at the same time that Jesus was and is fully God. He was and is fully man, and he was and is fully God. The two cannot be separated, and to believe otherwise is to believe falsely about Christ. To believe otherwise is to be a false believer, and to teach otherwise is to be a false teacher. And so John is extremely concerned that the people who God has given him care of, the people who he is the elder of their church, the pastor of their church, they are hearing and some are believing a false message about Jesus. And he understands that no good can come from believing a false message about Jesus. And in turn, no good can come from a false teacher. And so what he's encouraging them to do, what he's begging of them to do, what he's telling them to do is to test whatever they hear and more specifically, whoever they hear it from against what they know to be true about Jesus. Because a false teacher may not start by telling falsehoods about Jesus, but he will get there or she will get there. They will eventually have to change their view of Jesus, their understanding of Jesus and what they teach about Jesus to make their message work. So he's telling them, basically, do not be gullible Do not be immature in the faith, but rather take what you have heard and test it. Take who you have heard it from and test it based on Christ. So what I want us to see this morning are three things about false teachers. We we looked at them before and I want us to consider it again as John has come back to it. So first in verse 1, we have the warning about false teachers. The warning about false teachers. He gives a warning to test every spirit, or we might say every spiritual teacher and what they say, to test it because many false teachers have gone out into the world. Many false teachers have gone out into the world and therefore it is necessary to test every spirit. He says, do not believe them. In fact, he says friends. He begins this chapter by saying beloved or friends. Friends. Those who he loves. Do not believe every spirit Do not believe every teacher just because they claim the name of Jesus. Friends, when we look at the New Testament, we see very clearly that Satan and his demons, they know about God. But 
They know about Jesus. In fact, they know his identity. But clearly we do not believe that they have a message that we should hear and affirm and follow. Do not believe, he says, every spirit. Do not believe everyone who stands up and claims the name of Jesus. Do not believe everyone that gets up and reads from a Bible. Do not believe them just because they have some title or some position. That's a warning. There's caution. You and I need to be constantly and consistently cautious about the things that we listen to and the things that we believe. Trust me, it is very easy for you to get led off into something that is not in line with what God has said in His Word. The internet, the availability of books and materials makes it very simple for you to get a hold of things that are not true. And they will be packaged as if they are biblical materials that are for your enjoyment and edification as a believer. They'll be from the right publishing company or they'll have a name on it from a pastor or a minister that you can hear on the radio or see on television. And so it seems like it is good. We have this discussion often in our, our daycare center. Our, the break room there has become at times this place of theological discussions. And what we try to do as we think and talk about some of these people who we have their books or we see them on TV or whatever is, what do they ultimately believe about Jesus? Because there are some very powerful speakers who can say some very flowery things about God and tell you some things that you really want to hear about Him. But if they do not believe truth about Christ, the Bible says they're teaching falsely. And when you start digging in deeper to the things that you are hearing, you'll find that they are categorically not true. It's really simple to take a phrase or a sentence and put it on a graphic and put it on social media and, and act like it is true. We can take a verse out of the Bible and twist it around and make it say about anything we want and let it allow for the things that we want to do or be against the things we want to be against. But what do we believe about Jesus? What do they believe about Him? And so He warns us when it comes to everything we do. We should not believe every spirit just because it has not been tested. It's one of the reasons that there is almost, to the extent I can avoid it, 
There are almost no people that speak from this pulpit that I do not know personally and have not heard preach and teach. Why is that? It's because I care about who stands here and speaks. I try, unlike a lot of friends that I have, I try to have good preachers fill in when I am gone. There are many preachers who want bad preachers to fill in when they're gone so that, they, so that the congregation wants them to come back quicker. You just get what I give you and it's take it or leave it. So I don't care if a good preacher comes when I'm gone. Maybe you'll enjoy that and you'll want them to come back more often. If they come, it's probably because I like them and I like what they're going to say. Because I care who stands here. I care what someone is going to say to you as they are standing behind what we have called in history the sacred desk, the pulpit, and they preach God's word. It matters what is said. How do we do that? We test every spirit. Friends, you should always be skeptical when it comes to hearing someone else's preaching or teaching, when it comes to reading and taking their book and believing what they say, when it comes to listening to them on the radio. You should always be skeptical. Do not believe because they have some title or some position or are from some certain church that they are worth your time and worthy of your hearing. Because they very well may not be. So he gives a warning in verse 1. There are many false prophets who have gone out into the world. Therefore, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. So that's the warning. The second part is how, how you do the, the test. You, how do you discern this? So, so the first one, warning against false prophets, warning about false prophets. The second, discerning false prophets. Discerning false teaching. How do we discern that? We see that in verses 2 and 3. Verse 2. How do you discern what is right? He says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. In his context as he is writing, that was the big challenge. The big challenge was against what he was teaching and what he knew to be true. Remember, he had walked with Jesus. He had seen Jesus. He had spent time talking with Jesus. He had seen Jesus eating his lunch. He had seen Jesus raising people from the dead. He had witnessed Christ. And so in the challenge that he is facing in his church, he says, this is how you know for our context and our fight, if they say that Jesus came in the flesh, then they are preaching the true word. The test, the test was if they confessed Christ properly. 
Do you know that our church has a very in-depth statement on what we believe about Jesus? This has been voted on, solidified in our Constitution and bylaws. I ask every new member to read it and affirm that they believe it. This is what it says. Christ is the eternal Son of God. In His incarnation as Jesus Christ, He was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus perfectly revealed and did the will of God, taking upon Himself human nature with its demands and necessities and identifying Himself completely with mankind, yet without sin. He honored the divine law by His personal obedience and in His substitutionary death on the cross, He made provision for the redemption of men for, from sin. He was raised from the dead with a glorified body and appeared to His disciples as, a person, as the person who was with them before His crucifixion. He ascended into heaven and is now exalted at the right hand of God where He is the one mediator, fully God, fully man, in whose person is affected the reconciliation between God and man. He will return in power and glory to judge the world and to consummate His redemptive mission. He now dwells in all believers as the living and ever-present Lord. Friends, I would say if you believe any less than that, you are a false teacher. I think there is infinitely and has been infinitely more said about Jesus. Books, volumes of books have been written about Christ. But I don't see how you could take any of this and remove it and still believe correctly about Jesus. Friends, that's how we Determine. That's how we discern if someone is teaching truth. What do they say about what Christ did? Who Christ is? If they say something different, if they say, well, maybe he wasn't born of the Virgin Mary, you've got a problem. Well, he didn't live a sinless life. His death on the cross means nothing. We didn't really die as some false teachers said. He only appeared to die. Then He didn't make atonement for your sin. When we take out any of these things, any of these biblical truths about Christ, it all starts to fall apart. Everything that we Believe everything that we think, everything that we understand about Christ at that point begins to fall apart. The fact that Jesus has come in the flesh is, makes us from God is a fundamental of the faith, a fundamental that cannot be disputed, a fundamental that if it is gone, everything else is pointless, everything else is meaningless. There are plenty of false teachers that you can hear today, whether it's on television or in our own community, who would tell you differently about these things about Christ. 
and you can go and listen to them and you can leave and feel good about yourself. But friends, it will not be the truth. They are teaching falsely. And so a correct belief about Christ helps us to discern whether or not someone's teaching is false. Now I think there's a good point of clarity here. Someone can tell you something that is wrong, at least that you think is wrong, or maybe just is wrong in general, and still believe correctly about Christ. But we need to understand that, for one thing, there are differences that different Christians have about the way they believe. And that doesn't make them a false teacher. Okay? So there are churches that baptize differently than we do. And I think they are dead wrong. Like completely wrong. I think they completely miss the point of baptism and their understanding of it. But that doesn't make them false teachers because we have a different understanding of baptism. There are different churches that have a different structure to their church than we do. They do things differently than we do. The order of their service would be different. The structure of their church, the roles of their pastor or their deacons or other leaders in the church would be different than ours is. And some of them, I think, are completely wrong. They missed the mark. They missed the point. But if they believe the truth about Christ is revealed in Scripture, they're not teaching falsely. And if, if every time you encounter a Christian that believes differently than you do about things that are kind of outside issues, if you see them as false teachers, then friends, everybody's a false teacher. And you're a false teacher. Because what you believe, I'm sure today, is not exactly what you believed 20 or 30 or 50 years ago. So at one point in your life, you were a false teacher. Whether it was then or now or however that works. It's very convoluted. John's goal here is not to make everybody that thinks differently than he does about anything a false teacher. Where he is laying down the gauntlet, if you will, where he is coming down and where we should come down is on an understanding of Jesus. And it may mean, listen, I could never be the pastor of a church that sprinkled infants. It just wouldn't work. They wouldn't want me. I wouldn't want them. wouldn't work. But it doesn't mean that they are not my brothers and my sisters in Christ if we understand Christ as God has revealed Him in Scripture, as God revealed Himself through Christ. There are all different types of belief when it comes to secondary and third level issues of the faith. But when it comes to those core things, If someone does not believe that Jesus came in the flesh, 
they are a false teacher. If someone doesn't believe that Jesus is coming again, they are a false teacher. If someone doesn't believe that Jesus died for our sin, they're a false teacher. But if someone believes that Jesus is going to come back at a different time than you think he's going to come back, they're not a false teacher. And if you see them as a false teacher, the problem is you and not them. But now if they believe Jesus isn't coming back at all, you've got a problem. Because the Bible's clear that Jesus is coming back. And it's clear that no man knows the hour he will return. So we discern correctly based on correct belief about Jesus, which makes the opposite true in verse 3. Look, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Understand this very clearly. If someone does not believe what the Bible says about Jesus, they are not from God. It's not that they're partly from God. It's not that they're sometimes from God. It's not that they have some things they say that are from God and they miss some of the rest of it. No, they are not from God. The test here is what they believe about Jesus, not a blessing test. Okay, so we have in our modern culture with, with media and, and being connected with people all over the world, we have created a blessing test. All right? Do you know what the blessing test is? If someone's doing really good and being really successful, they must be from God. Okay? So this morning, there are, I don't know if you're aware of this, bigger churches than us. And some of them are churches. Some of them are churches. And some of them are churches. And what we have done, because we live in a celebrity culture in the secular world, where if you're rich, if you're famous, um, then your influence is somehow important. All right? So um, if you can um, hit a baseball, or you have a big company, or you can throw a football, you have automatic influence in the culture. All right? It doesn't matter if you're, you know, dumber than a sack of hammers. It doesn't matter if you are the most immoral person. It doesn't matter. You have influence. And what we've done is instead of right belief, which is what John says, we now do our test by success, the blessing test. Has God blessed this Ministry. Well, how do we determine that? Not by whether well, teaching what the Bible has said, but by, well, people are going to hear it. Okay? Now, I'm a sports fan. Many of you are sports fans. There'll be many games when football season comes that will be sold out. Okay? All over the NFL. And there'll be teams that are really terrible that sell out every game. The Panthers are a good example of this. The last few years have been pleasant to watch. But there have been some years that were really, really horrific. And yet, for well over a decade now, every game has sold out. 
They, they read the number out every time I go. It's like 160-some games, or maybe more now, that have sold out consecutively, even though they've been terrible. The Cleveland Browns last year didn't win a game, and yet thousands of people put on their jerseys of the Browns. I don't know what kind of mascot the Browns is, and went to see their games, paid like hundreds of dollars to see their game. So people showing up is not always a sign of success. And yet we've done that in ministry. So if, if someone has a lot of people that come to hear them, even if it's hogwash, we say that God is blessing them. But that's not the test that the Bible gives. The, the person in the third world who's meeting in their home and they have 10 people that have showed up because they're in a country where Christianity is illegal and where they may be killed if anyone walks into that house and finds them praying or finds them having even a page out of the Bible, they, if they're teaching God's Word this morning, are much more successful. They're much more pleasing to God than the person who has 10,000 people. They stand up there in their fancy building. They have all the possible electronics and lights you could have. And they get up and they talk about their feelings or their opinions for the entire time. When the God of heaven looks down, he looks at that and is angry. He looks at the little house with five people in the country where they can't even preach the gospel. But they're, they're gathering anyways and risking death. And he is well pleased. And so as we test every spirit, we have to be very careful. Just because someone is being successful or because the book has sold a lot of copies or because a lot of people want to hear them speak, it does not mean that they are preaching truth. It does not mean that they are doing what God has commanded us to do. Now, at the same time, we have to be very cautious because the test is not, do you have a small ministry? There are some people who have small churches and small ministries because they're terrible. There's churches that are small, sometimes because all the people are mean and nobody likes them. I've been a member of at least one of those churches. Like all the people are really terrible. It's like they got all the terrible people in town and they put them in one church. Now that was good for all the other churches, but if you were in that church, it was really bad. So the test can't be, well, see, we're small, and so that means we're doing something right because, you know, we, we don't tickle ears. No, it may just be because, you know, you're mean to everybody. The test is always Christ. And so there are some people who have massive churches and massive ministries because people are just being changed by the gospel. There are churches like that in our own state, and I'm very thankful for them who have thousands of people show up on Sunday morning to hear truth preached. That's good. The test is always about Christ. You know that it is from God if they confess Christ correctly. You know that it is not from God if they do not confess Christ. If they reject what is true... That is the spirit of the Antichrist. We go back to what that word means. Antichrist against Christ. That is what the power of the Antichrist does. He stands and they stand, as we've already seen many Antichrists, stand against the truth of Christ. 
friends, that is the test. That's how we discern. And then the third thing is how we respond. There are two responses that we have in these last three verses. The person who is of God will respond by rejecting falsehood. The person who is from God, of God, will reject falsehood. We see this in verses 4 and 5. He says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Talking about Antichrist, these false teachers. You've overcome these false teachers. For he, Christ, who is in you is greater than he. Talking about Satan who is in the world. I think there we can also understand that he's talking about these false teachers. It's very interesting that John often makes the connection between Satan and false teachers. He does so in John 10.10. Many of you are aware of this. And this passage, for it is a very popular one. And many people will prescribe to that that the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy is none other than Satan. But actually, in the context of that verse... The thief who comes are false teachers. John is talking about guarding the flock from false teachers. But why is it so easy to make that connection? Because we know that those things describe Satan. That the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. That he is a thief. And that it's very appropriate. He says, but you are from God. You're going to reject falsehoods. You're going to reject these antichrists. You've overcome them. You know that Christ who is in you is greater than He, the devil who is in the world. But they, talking about these false teachers, are from the world, therefore they speak to the world, and the world listens to them. Why is it that if there is any type of religious activity that is praised or at least lifted up by our culture, that it's very rare that it is someone who speaks the truth. Why, Why is it that you will not see many pastors who speak truth highlighted on the national media? It's because they speak truth. And that is offensive. It is offensive to the world that someone would say, the Bible says this. We see that it's become offensive even in many churches. So many denominations, so many churches have abandoned the truth of God because they have bought into the offensiveness of the gospel. They believe that it is offensive because the culture has told them that it is offensive and therefore they have walked away from the truth of Christ. They've left it because they cannot endure it. Paul tells his readers that or at least his reader Timothy that you know people aren't going to endure sound doctrine. They don't want their heart stepped on or their toes stepped on. They want their ears tickled. They want to hear something that is pleasing to them. 
And therefore, they cannot endure what God is trying to tell them in His Word. They will not listen to it. But for the false teacher, the world will listen to them because what they are teaching is false. There was a a pastor, I think we use that term very loosely with this person, who, who over the last decade, you see this slide away from Orthodox Christianity till he finally wrote a book entitled Love Wins. And his belief at the end of this book was that God's going to make everything right in the end and all people are going to go to heaven and God is going to forgive everyone no matter what they have done. Because of that, he had to leave his church. Thank goodness, even though he had, I believe, founded the church, at least led it for a long period of time, they, they, he left because of, of this book, which is good for them. Hopefully they will turn around from where they were at, no doubt. But, but now he has partnered, of all people, with Oprah. If Oprah can endure your theology, if Oprah can promote your theology, you probably do not believe correctly about Christ. In fact, let me walk that back. If Oprah can endure your theology, you do not believe correctly about Christ. Because Christ calls us to repentance. Christ calls us to abandon ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him. He does not call us to a touchy-feely theology where in the end love wins. Friends, love won on the cross. And all who repent of their sin and believe the gospel are recipients of the love that God has given through Christ. It is not any other way. And so those who who believe the truth, those who believe Christ will reject falsehood. And they'll also listen to truth. Look in verse 6. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, you could read this and think that John is being very arrogant here. And if, if anyone deserved to be arrogant, it would be John. He had witnessed Christ. He had been his disciple personally. He had invested his life into the people that are now turning away from the truth. And so he could be very arrogant here, and I don't think he is. I don't think he's being arrogant. I think he is just speaking plainly. If someone is speaking the truth, if someone is preaching the truth, teaching the truth, writing the truth, whatever it is, and you do not listen to them. There's a spiritual problem. Because someone who is in Christ, someone who is from God, of God, who knows God, as John says here in verse 6, will listen to truth. The one who is not will not listen to truth. Now think about this. This has a lot of application 
for the church today, for our church and for any other church. Friends, if someone is trying to tell you the truth, you need to listen to them. I don't think that you have to like them, but it would behoove all of us to listen to them. If someone cares enough about you to tell you the truth, if you are of God, you will listen to the truth. So many times today we see people who want to live their own way and do their own thing. And so when they hear truth from God, they find some way to reject it based on who they're hearing it from. But friends, truth is truth. It's God's truth. It's all His truth. And so you may not always like the way God or through whom God speaks the truth to you. That doesn't change for you, for me, for anyone. It doesn't change the necessity of us listening to the truth. Friends, if someone wants to tell you the truth about Christ, they want to speak that into your life, Friends, that means they care about you deeply. And we, if we are from God, if we know God, we will listen to truth. We were having a discussion on Wednesday night during youth about people who walk away from the faith. People who at some point claim that they are a Christian and then later on they, they walk away and go their own way. How do, we, how do we think about those people? How do we understand those people's relationship with Christ? We believe that once a person is saved, they will always be saved. And yet I think here again is another test of understanding how do we know if a person really is saved we we talk in our day about not judging anyone which is malarkey we judge people all the time for good and bad reasons the bible doesn't tell us not to judge anyone how do we know if someone is a follower of christ here is another way Friends, if you do not listen to truth, if you refuse to listen to truth, if you make excuses about why you don't have to listen to truth, friends, you are not a believer. It's not that you might not be a believer, or you could not, or maybe you have done something, you've backslidden or, or something that we have invented to make ourselves feel better. Friends, if you refuse to listen to truth, you do not know Christ. Because people who know Christ are hungry for His truth. Hungry to hear His Word explained and taught and preached. They're hungry for it. I was driving on Tuesday several hours on the road and, and it was just having a kind of a, a rough day. 
and I've got several pastors' messages on, on my phone and just started playing them. And it came to uh, Truth for Life. Many of you have probably heard this. It's, it's on the radio from Alistair Begg. Um, he's a, a Scottish pastor. I believe he's in Chicago. Uh, just a phenomenal preacher. And immediately when it came on, my heart was encouraged. It, it, it wasn't anything profound. He didn't say anything that I didn't know that I hadn't learned in seminary. It wasn't a passage that I was unfamiliar with. It was, it was just immediately encouraging. Because I know with, with Alistair Begg, I know what he believes about Christ. So it has been tested in that way for me. I know that he is he is correct. I know that he has right belief, and so I can listen to him and be encouraged by what he says. Why? Because I know that he is speaking from God. And therefore, I know that I, I, I should listen to him. It is to my benefit to listen to him. Trust me, there are a lot of preachers on the radio. If their message comes on, I turn it off. I would rather listen to secular music from the 60s and 70s than the garbage that they are spewing falsely. But when truth comes on, it speaks to your heart. By this, he concludes this section, by this... All of these things he has said in these first six verses. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. By this we know someone who is teaching correctly about Christ and incorrectly about Christ. By this we know someone we should listen to and someone we should reject. What do they believe about Jesus? Friends, if you don't know that about someone you're listening to, ask them. You know, when I became your pastor, I signed something that said that I fully affirm what's written on this page, along with a lot of other things that we say we believe. It's stated by our church clearly. If someone seems off that you're listening to, find out what they believe about Jesus. It, friends, I don't care if they make you feel good as you're driving. I enjoy hot fudge sundaes from McDonald's. They make me feel good. Almost as good as a large milkshake chocolate from McDonald's. Which is not quite as good as a peanut buster parfait from the Dairy Queen. There's a theme here. I like ice cream. And it likes me. But if I eat ice cream all the time, it's, it's bad for you eventually, right? In fact, if you, if you look at one of the things that tells you what all's in it, it's bad for you the first time and every time thereafter that you eat it. So just because it makes me feel good doesn't mean it's good for me. And friends, you can take that analogy in a bunch of different directions because there's a bunch of things in life that make us feel good that aren't good for us. So just because it makes you feel good doesn't mean it's good for you. Before you pick up the book, before you turn on the radio, 
before you download the podcast, before you get the CD, track, whatever it is you're doing, what do they believe about Jesus? Because for John, that's what mattered most. Not the size of their ministry, not the size of their voice, not the power and force they could put behind their words, but what do they believe about Christ? Friends, let's guard ourselves. Let's guard ourselves from people who teach falsely. Let's guard ourselves against people who want to lead us astray. And then let's commit in our hearts that people who want to tell us the truth, we will listen to them. Friends, my job as your pastor has never been for you to like me. Some of you would say that I've done a very good job not getting you to like me. But please know this, that at least for this period of time every week, my goal and only goal is to provide you with God's truth. If you listen no other time, would you listen during this time? Not because of who stands here, but because of the one that I hope to proclaim to you as I stand in this pulpit. Let's seek out as a church to listen to the truth and then also speak the truth to those that are listening. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we are grateful. We are grateful for the grace You have given us in Christ. We are grateful that while we are quite imperfect, God, You have loved us in Him. That You've sent Your Son. You sent Your Son so that in Him we can have life. God, I pray that you would remove false teaching from our midst. God, help me not to say anything that is not true of you. God, help us all to discern when we're listening, God, to those who do not really know you. God, help us to seek out truth and to listen to truth and to hear what you have said in your word. God, encourage our hearts. God, if there's one here that doesn't know you this morning, I, God, I just pray that, that you would speak to their heart. God, it's, it's your word, it's your spirit that brings us to repentance, that brings us to belief. God, I, I just pray that, that this morning the one who doesn't know you would would hear your voice. God, they would respond. God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for loving us. We pray this morning in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to sing a final song as we do. I, I just hope that you'll, whether it's here at the front or in your seat, that you'll just pray that God would expose you to truth prevent you from hearing falsehood. And friends, if you don't know him this morning, 
Friends, don't believe the lie that Satan has told the world. That you're okay, that you don't need God, that you can do it on your own. Friends, respond during this, this song and let me, let me just share with you how you can follow Christ. Would you respond to God's word this morning as we sing this song together?
heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about